Matthew chapter 22, reading from verse 15 to verse 22. Matthew chapter 22, reading from verse 15 to verse 22, reflecting on giving to God what belongs to God. Giving to God what belongs to God. Then the Pharisees went and plotted how to entangle him in his words. They sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians saying, Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God truthfully and you do not care about anyone's opinion for you are not swayed by appearances. Tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why? Why put me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin for the tax. They brought him a denarius, and Jesus said to them, Whose likeness and description is this? They said, Caesar's. Then he said to them, Therefore, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. When they heard it, they marveled, and they left him and went away. Give to God what belongs to God. The other way you can call this, uh, with the reading from Matthew 17, is simply this way. Being like Christ in giving to Caesar, what belongs to Caesar and to God, what belongs to God. That's a pretty lengthy uh, title, but that really expresses my thrust this morning. Being like Christ in giving to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and in giving to God what belongs to God. You notice as you read those verses, but there are verses that are bringing out one of an issue that was an issue that was an issue of contention, particularly among the Jews. Let me just before I finish, so that you are aware. In case I just go beyond time, I'm beginning at quarter two. Uh, so if I do take 50 minutes, it's not because I have taken or eaten in my time. I'm still eating within my time. Quarter to eleven. Uh, just be aware that I am causing us to pay for not handing over in time. So it's a subject that was a serious matter. One of the men during that time even caused a rebellion and was arrested and the Jews hated this particular thing so that it's taught particularly to address the concerns from the Jews. But notice also in that passage the unholy alliance that the Pharisees and the Herodians would rarely see things from the same perspective. So you have the Pharisees that are generally Jews but a little more liberal in some areas of their persuasion. They come to Jesus because they actually dispute paying this particular tax. Uh, 
they dispute paying this particular tax because you must pay it with a particular coin. And it's a coin that had Caesar's portrait and Caesar's inscriptions. So if you notice that, the question the Lord Jesus basically raises, show me the coin for the tax. There were other taxes the Jews and the Romans were paying. They were not an issue. The issue was this one and the issue was primarily because of the particular coin you needed to pay with. And I'll be showing the contention. So the, the, the Pharisees are on the side that are saying we must not pay. The Herodians are on the side that says you must pay. And the two groups come together. The against and the for. And they come and unite and as it were give some kind of flattery which was the practice in those days. Teacher, we know Herodians and Pharisees, we know that you are true and that you teach the way of God truthfully. In other words, we don't expect you to lie on this matter. Just say it, for or against, the rest will sort ourselves out. And you do not care about anyone's opinion. And the implication is this, you don't even care Caesar's thinking on this matter. Just say it and we will hear you. For you are not swayed by appearance. Tell us then what you think. Give us your opinion. Is it lawful? Pay taxes to Caesar or not? Now the lawfulness is not to do with is this law in this land? That's not the question. The question is, is this in accord with God's law? Jesus, according to us, the Jews, will it be right to pay this particular tax? So they are not wrestling with the lawfulness of paying other taxes. They are wrestling with the paying of this particular poor tax. With this coin that has Caesar's portrait and the writings at the very back of this coin. It is in that context that is asked, should we or shouldn't we? Jesus' answer in a very simplistic way was simply this, yes and no. But that's too simplistic. The answer Jesus is giving is, look, you probably have gotten the whole question wrong. Because here is the trap, and I use trap positively, that Jesus sets for them. You're asking whether you should pay this particular tax with this particular coin. Let's see if you actually have the coin in your pockets. If you're so offended with what is on the coin, let's see if you actually have the coin. Let's see if you actually do use the coin. And so the question is, show me the coin for the tax. If the Pharisees were really serious with not paying this, they will have nothing to do with the coin. Show me the coin. They brought him a denarius. And Jesus said to them, whose likeness, literally whose image, 
and whose writings or inscriptions are on the coin? They answer, Caesar's. Then he said to them, again literally and in today's language, give it to him, it's his. It's his coin. So what's the problem? Give it to him. Oh, but guess what? That's not the end of the question. That's not where we stop. Where you give to Caesar what belongs to him, including that coin. Oh, but there is even a more serious allegiance. There is even more serious loyalty. There is an all-inclusive loyalty. And the loyalty is simply this. Give to God the things that are God's. Again, just before we get into the meat, we need to deal with a fourth dichotomy. Jesus is not saying there is a world called a secular world and a religious world. Jesus is not presenting two world systems. One he is not involved in, the other he is. That's not the argument. Everything is under God's government. Even what we call secular governments. All the universe is under God's government. It's in that context, Jesus is saying, within this system, there is that which belongs in this government to the state. And there is that which we can call as belonging to God. But ultimately, everything belongs to God. Having laid down that background, in our exploration of giving to God what belongs to God, or being like Christ in giving to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and giving to God what belongs to him first, the general lesson from the way Jesus answered the question, the general lesson from the way Jesus answered the question, and the lesson is simply this, be careful to answer questions, particularly religious ones. Be careful. Don't answer questions. Some of them sound very simple. Take your time. And sometimes to do the Zambian thing is okay. And that's what is happening here. Is it okay? And Jesus does not answer immediately. He responds with a question. Whose coin is that? Now that's what we do. Are you coming tomorrow as Zambians even though nowhere we are going where? Uh, I think there is some joke at the wedding um, before I left to come and do some other things. Uh, I think he put it in the context of males, but I think this is more of a Luapla thing. And if you think this is not true, come to Santi and ask the questions. You know it's true. That's the Santia way. That's the Mansa way. And you're thinking, you already heard the question. And all I'm saying that sometimes that's important. Sometimes it's important to probe the question with another one. That's what Jesus is doing. Before I answer your question, let's get the facts. So these facts you're talking about, do you have his coin? What's written on it? Do you actually use it? If that's true, here is the response. Well, give the owner of the coin back and give to God what belongs to him. 
the general lesson from the way Jesus answered the question is that some questions must be answered with probing questions. Some questions must be answered with probing questions, such as, can you lose salvation? It's important to ask people what actually they mean. Because some, when they ask that question, they mean, well, if you can't lose salvation, well, then you can live as you want. After all, your salvation is safe. So you need to ask them, okay, what's the thrust? By losing salvation, are you implying that you become fatalistic or you just live carelessly? If that's what you mean, the Bible does not teach that. There is another question. Are you a cessationist? or you are a continuationist? Do you believe that the gifts have stopped or they have not stopped? Now if you answer that question, they have stopped, the answer is wrong. If you answer that question, they have not stopped, the answer is wrong. The right question is, which gifts have stopped and which ones have not? I know this is dangerous territory, but it's okay to, to have my neck chopped off. Uh, that, that's fine. I think to simply hang and say everything. Remember, did a Bible study in the book of Acts. The qualifications for apostles in the book of Acts, the qualifications for apostles inevitably indicate there is no apostle like Paul today. That office that gift stopped. I know this is a fact, and that's a good one. Come to the office. Before we discuss, we will pray. <laughs> Do we have prophets like Isaiah that what they speak is nothing but the word of God? Do we have them? Read the scriptures. They are foundational gifts. I'm not sure why I'm going this side. Oh, I am illustrating the point. That some questions you need to probe. What do you mean? That's what Jesus is doing here. Jesus began to address the question from the representatives of the Pharisees and the Herodians, two groups on opposite sides, by asking a probing question. But Jesus, knowing their evil intent, said, you hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin used for paying the tax. They brought him a denarius and he asked them, whose portrait is this and whose inscription? There is another question we need to be careful to answer, particularly as Baptists. It's this question. Can women preach? What's the answer? Yes or no? There we are. Well, the answer, surely, if you are biblical, is a very straightforward one. Yes. Women came. Women should preach. The question is, where? <laughs> That's the question. So whether Mrs. Zimba should preach at North Rise in class, please, we'll say, if you are not doing it, we'll pray for you. Whether she should preach here. 
I am not sure. We need to ask Dr. Zimba. That's another question you must be careful. I think many a time we have questions, should women preach? And the answer is immediately, no, 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 no. no. And I'm looking at the person, I'm thinking, which Bible do you read? Of course they should. But where? The lesson here is that sometimes instead of being quick to answer questions, we should give more attention to asking questions that provoke and penetrate to the deepest levels of the people we are with. Jesus would want them to understand the question they're asking, that when finally the answer is given, it hits them clear and deep. So that at the end when he answers that question, they remain puzzled, amazed, overwhelmed. When they heard it, they marveled. And they left him and went away. Be sure you have heard and understood the question and have pondered over it. Secondly, as a general one from the text, reflecting on giving to Caesar what belongs to him as we emulate Christ, the second general lesson is that the question was not so much simply about paying taxes. The question was ultimately about who are you loyal to? Are you loyal primarily to Caesar and only to Caesar will you do obligations? Or will you say you are loyal to somebody else and to that somebody else you will do your obligations? That really is the question. Tell us what you think. Is it lawful? Will you be loyal to God as a Jew? Or will you be loyal to Caesar? And Jesus' response it is not so much divided. It's an issue of qualification. So the second general lesson is that the question was about loyalty as an obligation to the state. And Jesus says, yes, there is a loyalty to the state, but it is within the confines of the absolute loyalty to God. So give to Caesar, give him his coin. Oh, but remember, give to God the things. Therefore, render. Notice as you read the passage, the use of words, even in English, is interesting. Tell us then, verse 17, what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes, to give taxes, and Jesus' response is render. In other words, this is your obligation. This is not about a prerogative. This is about duty. This is about simply handing over what belongs to. And there are things that legitimately belong to Caesar and things that belong to God. The question that was posed was a religio-political one which sparked the revolt of Judas of Galilee in AD 6. If you read Jewish history, there was a revolt led by a man called Judas of Galilee in AD 6 against the Roman government 
and it had to do with this particular tax. To approve paying the poor tax would be disdained by the Judeans who bitterly resented paying the poor tax. Please again remember, they hated this particular tax, not all the Roman taxes. To disapprove it would be liable to arrest in that it would be tantamount to committing treason. It's like in Zambia today saying, don't pay your taxes. Don't pay, pay as you earn. Don't pay, we were told recently, VAT will not be moved his back. Don't pay value-added tax. Don't pay. The 1% that is coming, insurance, health tax, something. That's crime. So Jesus is really in tight position. I think as it is said, between a rock and a hard place, that it doesn't matter whichever way he answers, he will offend one group. He will become unpopular or you will probably be arrested. It's in that context. The wisdom and our emulation is told. Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and to God what belongs to God. The question was primarily a question of allegiance to the emperor. The poor tax was the primary mark of Jewish political subjugation to a foreign law. There, is it right lawful to pay to Caesar was not a reference to Roman law, but to the law of God. The question really was, is it permissible for a people of God to pay express allegiance, loyalty to a pagan governor? Inscription on the coin bore Caesar's portrait, and the strict Jew considered this abominable because they are called not to make images nor to worship images. The coin had writings on it that described the emperor as the son of God. It read in the case of Tiberius, Tiberius Caesar, son of the divine Augustus. And at the very back, remember Jesus says, inscription and likeness. There is an image of Caesar, but there is a religious writing at the very back. The coin related directly to Roman pagan religion and to the emperor cult or emperor worship. The empire actively used such coins to promote the worship of the emperor. This was a question of appropriate obligation to the state and absolute obligation to God. Our obligations to the state must never encroach on our obligations to God. Our service to Caesar must only, must only be in a way that is honoring to God. Thirdly, and this is my burden for this morning, it's not so much to argue give to Caesar to Caesar, but simply to ask the question, are you sure you give to God all that belongs to him? Are you sure you give to God all that belongs to God? Not so much concerned about the state. The state has institutions that are concerned to ensure we pay taxes. 
But are you sure? Because the furthest we go, and the furthest we must go as a local church is for elders simply to visit the exercising oversight. And among the questions they may ask or simply be how faithful are you in your tithes and offerings? How faithful are you in saving God? Even though we know there are envelopes here, we will not go. I know some churches do. I don't think we will do that here. We will not go to the register and say, well, let's look for our chama. Did you pay tithe this month? Maybe we should debate it in the business meeting. Did you pay tithe this month? We will not go that far. We will leave that your conscience, your, your allegiance to God, your faithfulness to God, and that's all I am asking this morning. How faithful are you in giving to God all that belongs to him? Give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. The third and the particular lesson from the straight response to the question after the prohibited probing question. Give to the state what belongs to them. The rightness of use of what is given in other is another matter. However, Jesus does not end there. He brings in the more important responsibility to a people in a convenient, in a covenant with God. Give to God. What belongs to God? Give to God what belongs to God. Jesus' major concern, the most important matter he is addressing is the aspect of God's right to be served and obeyed in rightly giving him what belongs to him. I'm hoping you're seeing the thrust. God is not asking from you what does not belong to him. If there is anything, there is any aspect of your life, any property you own, any money in the bank, if there is anything you have and you can legitimately say, this does not belong to God. You have no right to give it to him. Don't. The reverse is true. That if you do not give to God, you're saying to him, what you are not giving to him is not his, it's yours. Prove to God what is yours. Prove to him. And he will tell you, well done, thank you, run with it. That's the question. I ask again, do you give to God all that belongs to him? The son did. Jesus gave to Caesar Oh, but he gave himself completely, willingly, sacrificially for us. He gave himself. If you ask the Apostle Paul, he will tell you the same. I am being poured out like a drink offering. I am giving my whole self. Philippians, all that I had I count junk. 
all the apostles will tell you that. The apostle Paul writing and commending one church, he says, here is the reason they gave. They first gave themselves. Jesus does not end on simply giving to Caesar. He brings in the more important responsibility to a people in covenant with God. Give to God what belongs to him. Jesus' major concern, the most important matter he's addressing is the aspect of God's right. God's right to be served and obeyed in rightly giving him what belongs to him. It's like going out of church, find me struggling with Dr. Zimba over the keys to the Prado. belongs to me. Even if he lent it to me to use for a week, when he comes to ask it back, there shouldn't be a fight. It's his. Why is there a fight in giving to God what belongs to him? Lumuli. Takisho pamensu. Ten percent. Kambapela koyumwenshkeshenu. It's not yours. You sing in the praise team, came back next week. Whose voice is it? Yours? Yours? Nonkasako evangelism next week. You are from the missions team. Whose strength? Yours? Give to God. Give to God what belongs to God. Notice that this is absolutely the reasonable thing to do, even among normal functioning people. It's children who fight over what is not theirs. That's an abnormal behavior. Please allow me to say the strongest one. That's madness. That's being crazy. That's insanity. For a 45 years old man to be fighting over what's not his. Bamu sokola menoninch, bachilalu ila nomba techabo, bamu mina pomwine. Nisaba mumi no mwine, even if he's weak. Nibaka boba bachitefio. Motokayova, you've noticed those of you that drive sometimes, you're thinking, fio yache. You stop to pick somebody. Then somebody comes to you and says, Kyle, boss. And I'm thinking, Kyle, look at him, I send him to the bus station. I know Kyle to a cheat, I'm with a quiz. I remember my wife jumping on a vehicle, and the owner of a particular vehicle was a kennel in the arm. So these Kabobas come to this Prado and say, Boss. So the guy looks at them and says, Yes, how can I help you? 
Kairi, boss. And then the man is thinking, Kairi, what? Say it. No, Kairi, upon ten quarter per person. Nishna Lali Piriramwa send the past station. Yeah, no. Boss, you know the way they are. So they begin to walk away. So the man came out and just removed the gun and said, Come, 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 come. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, boss, come. Yeah, come. And the man says, Look, it's my vehicle, it's my prerogative. I pay tax for the road. Why should I give you anything? Emotulila, go and find a Jew. Oh, but that's what we do in giving to God. If something belongs to somebody else and the owner demands it to be given to them, not to do so is absolutely unreasonable. And if the person is somebody that has provided all you need, it is great arrogant ingratitude. It's being absolutely ungrateful. Here is what the Lord says to a group that refused to do this. Malachi 1 verse 6. A son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? If I am a master, where is my fear? says the Lord of hosts to you. He could go on to say, if I'm creator, where is the homage? If I'm the giver, where is the gratitude? If I'm the one who entrusted it to you and your stewards, where is your appreciation? That's the right thing to do. I ask, beloved, again, do you give to God what belongs to him? We must ask at this point, what actually belongs to God? What actually belongs to God? The overall primary answer is the answer all of us know. Everything and everybody. In that context of that response, we, we don't own anything. We don't even own ourselves. We belong to God by being created. If you are saved by being purchased, you are bought the precious blood of Christ. You are not your own. So to argue as the world does, it's my right, it's my choice, you have no rights. Except those bestowed on you by grace. Those who believed in him, he gave the rights to become children. Those are the rights you have. Your existence and mine is all about God. You do not exist for you. I don't exist for me. We do everything. Whether we eat or drink, we must do it for the glory of God. What actually belongs to him, you do. And everything you have. Why do we hold back? 
serving him with our gifts, spiritual gifts. Why do we hold back? Surrendering to God, what is God, implies surrendering the whole self. When we were singing the songs that the praise team led us through, I was asking myself, should I sing with them or stop? Am I being hypocritical or am I being sincere? Here is one of the songs how it went. I surrender all to you, everything I have given to you. I was asking myself, have I really? Have I? Have you? Everything you have. Can you sincerely, truthfully say you have given to God? As if that was not enough, the praise team continues to bombard us withholding everything. Have you? Not withheld anything? Are you really sure? I am not. Have you withheld nothing for God? I give myself, they went on to see. I give myself away so you can use me. Have you? Have you? Are you faithful in tithes and offerings? Will a man rob God? Yet you've robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessings that there will be not room enough to receive it. Have you withheld your power and strength? To serve the Lord. Take care. We read in Deuteronomy 8, 11 to 18. Take care lest you forget the Lord your God. By not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes. Which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full. And have built good houses and live in them. And when your herds and flocks multiply. And your silver and gold is multiplied. And all that you have is multiplied. Then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God. Who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Out of the house of slavery. slavery who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water, who brought your water out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and test you to do you good in the end. Beware, lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God 
For it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he sought your forefathers as it is this day. Have you held back what he provided through his strength and grace? What about your spiritual gifts and all the good and perfect gifts? 1 Corinthians 12, 4 to 7 and 11, there are different kinds of gifts by the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service by the same Lord. There are different kinds of working by the same God works, all of them in all men. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He gives them to each one just as He determines. They are given you for him. I close with this one. What about the Lord's Day? Do you give it to him? Revelation 1 verse 10. On the Lord's Day, John was in the spirit. On the Lord's Day. Even those who are in grade 2, they understand. On the Lord's Day means the day that belongs to him. It's his. Go back to the Ten Commandments. Six out of seven are yours. Just one. Is it his? Is it his? Mwewe wandi ndemu pela yesu. Is that true? Do you give to God all that belongs to Him? Again, I say this. If you can prove to God that what you've not given Him is really yours, please don't to be disobedient. But if you can't prove everything belongs to him, the little you have is because of his prerogative, please do the right thing. Please do the right thing. Wrestling to say this, but I would like to say it to this group. Why are there only two or three in the evening service? Where is everybody else? What are you doing on the Lord's Day? if not coming to sing for him here. To the rest of us, why are there only 30, 40 on Sunday? What are you doing on his day? Where are you? On his day, not yours. Please give to God all that belongs to him. Amen.